Heavenly Father, we thank you for the supply of your spirit. We thank you for you have anointed me to preach, to teach, to heal. Thank you for the entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding. And we know that there is light for us today. There is understanding for us today. And your name is glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin with reading Deuteronomy chapter 15, chapter 18, verse 15 to 22. It says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come to pass or happen, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken in presumptuously, you shall not be afraid of him. So this is Moses instructing the people of Israel after they had come out of Egypt while they were in the wilderness. And he says to them, the Lord will raise up to you, raise unto you a prophet like me. And so now the question is, who is this prophet that Moses is talking about? Because if he says a prophet like me, then we assume that Moses is an example of the type of prophet that we're supposed to expect. So a prophet who is a leader, a prophet who can hear God, a prophet who can communicate the word of God to the people, a prophet who can bring people the kind of deliverance that Moses did to bring them out of captivity. And so we can see that Moses' leadership is in the similitude of the type of prophet that the Israelites were to expect, the one that he was talking about. And then in John chapter 7, verse 40, scripture says, they said, this is the prophet. And if you have a, a Bible that has scriptures in quotation, the scripture reference there in quotation is Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15, what we just read. So for years, they have been waiting for the prophet that Moses had promised them, the prophet that would be a deliverer. And then up until the time of Jesus, they had had prophets. But yet they knew that this was not, none of the prophets that they had had was the prophet that they were waiting for. And so in John chapter 1, verse 45, Philip, it says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so when Jesus came, they knew that, yes, this was the prophet that Moses was talking about, even though they had had prophets before. And then John chapter 5, verse 45 to 47 um, we can read that. It says, Do not think I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So from this scripture, we can see that the prophet that Moses was referring to was the Lord Jesus Christ. And now let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Let's do verse 20. It says, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. 
Now, this is a different kind of prophet than the prophet Moses is talking about. Because the prophet that Moses is talking about in the first part in verse 15 is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now we know that this is not the same prophet Moses is talking about in verse 20. But then why do they need smaller prophets, in quotes, until the main prophet that Moses is talking about comes? Because for there's a need for there to be communication between God and the people. Because they had said in, in verse 16... According to all you have decided of the Lord your God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, not let me see this great fire anymore, lest I die. So had they had said that they wanted somebody to be a mediator between them and God. And because of that, they needed people that would actually communicate the mind of God to them until the time when the Lord Jesus Christ was to come. Now, while there is a need for prophets, for people to communicate the mind of God to people, it also means that there will be an instance rising of people claiming that God has spoken when God did not speak or saying things that, are, that would lead the Israelites away from God and steer them to worship other gods. And we see Moses reference that. And so in verse 21, then there's now a question. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has spoken? Then the answer now is now in verse 22. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So this is the answer. That when the prophet, when a prophet arises and gives you a word, then you watch for the word that the prophet has given you. And if it does not come to pass, then it means that God has not spoken this and that the prophet spoke by himself. But then that's not all. If we go to Deuteronomy chapter 13, from verse 1 to 5, it also gives us another instance. It says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he has spoken to you, saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from, from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst. So after Moses in chapter 18 has told them that if the prophet speaks and it doesn't come to pass, it's not from God. But if it comes to pass, it's from God. But then he also says in chapter 13, that let's assume that the word does come to pass. But more than watching out for whether the word has come to pass or not, is to watch out for what the word is. That if the prophet is telling you things, instructing you in ways that you have not known, steering you to worship other gods, then this prophet cannot be from God. So two things. We watch out for the signs that he has given, whether they come to pass. And then when they come to pass, or if they come to pass, we watch out for what the actual content of what the word that the prophet has spoken is. Now, let's go to Ephesians. Let's do Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16. Okay, and he gave, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, 
till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking, truth, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Amen. So we see from Ephesians that the Lord himself gave us apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. Why did he do this? Now we're back to the same point we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 18, that the people of God needed communication from God. They needed a way to know what the word of the Lord was, and he needed somebody to pass it across to them. And so we see that the plan that God set in motion in Deuteronomy chapter 18, he did not abandon that plan. Now, this book of Ephesians is set in the New Testament, yes? After the resurrection of Christ, when salvation has been made readily to everybody, and in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. This is an epistle that Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus and telling them of this. Now, our pastor, our resident pastor, and Pastor Mike always tells us that the New Testament is the Old Testament decoded, is the Old Testament explained. So no thought is original in the New Testament. It all comes from the Old Testament. It has its basis in the Old Testament. And we can see what Paul is saying here back in the Old Testament. Now, Paul is now saying that that plan that God has given them in Deuteronomy chapter 18 of people that will communicate the word of God to them, God did not abandon that plan. However, they now have a more specific charge. Give me verse 12. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, Ephesians 4.12. For the equipping of the saints of the work of the ministry, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So now they have a more specific charge that is not just to communicate the words of people, of God to the people anymore. Now they should equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now they should edify the body of Christ. Now they should bring people to the unity of the faith, that they bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 14, it also says that with their help, we will no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of truck, of doctrine. Sorry, with every wind of doctrine. So we're no longer confused. We're no longer carried away by people that are trying to deceive us. We're no longer confused or amazed by the sense or the wisdom in their deceptiveness. And then we'll go back again to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Well, not physically, mentally. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, the whole chapter reads a little bit weird, yeah? Because Moses is telling them, okay, this is the coming Messiah. And then before the Messiah comes, there will be other prophets beside the main Messiah. And then this is what you should do when they come. But then he's saying this is what you should do when they come. But how is that their business? You're the one that is sending them a prophet. But then somehow, even in the part of them being given prophets, they still have a role to play. So it's an established task in scripture, in Christianity, that the people that are charged with leadership have a heavy duty, that there is a heavy responsibility on them. For example, we see in scripture that the sons of Aaron were killed because they burned the wrong kind of incense. 
And then in Numbers chapter 20, when Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock, and then he was punished for that because he is their leader. And God says, because you did not show my faithfulness to the people, this is why you are being punished for this. So leaders in scripture have a heavy duty. But the emphasis in Deuteronomy chapter 18 is not on the leaders, it's on the people. In the verse 21 of that scripture, Moses told them, you will, you will say in your heart, how will we know which one is from the Lord? And after you check the words of the prophet, then you will not be afraid of him. Even in Deuteronomy chapter 13 that we read, verse 3, it says, you shall not listen to the words of the prophet. So there will be people that are speaking, but it's your job to determine who that you listen to. So from the words of Moses, we can see where his emphasis is. And it's on the fact that it's the duty of the people to confirm that the person that is speaking to them, that when a prophet arises to speak, to confirm that the prophet that they listen to is actually speaking the word of God. And we read again from the book of Ephesians where Paul is reiterating the words of Moses and telling us that God has given leaders to the body for edification, for growth, for enlightenment. But then it is our job to confirm that whoever is leading us is from the Lord. Why do we have to be so cautious of the people, of the offices that God is placing over us? Let's read um, 1 Timothy 1, 3 to 7 and 1 Timothy 4, 1. I'll start with 1 Timothy 4.1. It says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the later times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to the deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And then 1 Timothy 1.3-7, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, the purpose of this commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, having turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. And so now we see Paul warning, warning Timothy in chapter 4 that some people will depart from the faith. And again in chapter 1, that they should be watchful that those who teach, teach no other doctrine. They should, not, they should not get distracted with fables, with conversations about who came from what lineage and what lineage is correct and, and all that. Because all those things are not important. Because what is supposed to be the goal is godly edification. And those things do not lead to godly edification. And then we see again, remember when we read Ephesians that the goal of the leaders God has given us is to edify the body of Christ. And then in the verse 6 of the first Timothy 1, Paul is now telling him that some people have strayed and they have turned aside and they start focusing on idle talk, on things that do not benefit the faith. And on top of that, they now desire to be teachers, even though they have no idea what they're talking about. And then let's check again first Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 to 4. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accord with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, rivaling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, which suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. 
So from the scriptures we have read, we see a precedent set in scripture that there will be false teachers. People will arise and want to teach people, but all they have is idle talk. All they have is things that do not lead to godly edification. And then the verse 5 of that instruction is to withdraw yourself from them. Again, in Romans chapter 16, 17 to 18, Paul is urging the body of Christ that those people that teach things that cause divisions, that teach things that are contrary to the doctrine that they have received, the doctrine of Christ that he taught them, that they should avoid those people. Why? Because they do not serve God. They serve themselves, and their aim is to deceive. And yet, even when you read throughout, the Bible is actually littered with information about how there will be false teachers and false prophets. The whole of Second Peter chapter 2 is a writing on false prophets, false teachers, their doom, their deception, their depravity, everything that will happen to them. But then the verse 1 of Second Peter chapter 2 says that, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring them and bring on themselves swift destruction. So just as there were false prophets then, there will be false prophets now. And if there are going to be people that are going to continually teach things that are not of God, knowingly or unknowingly, it doesn't matter, then it's up to the people of God to be on guard against who they let them who they listen to, who they let lead them. And so we see from Scripture, from the time of Moses in Deuteronomy to the time of Paul, the Bible is not silent about how much deception there will be facing the people of Christ, how much people are going to rise and say things that are not true. But then the Bible also makes it clear that it's our job, it's our duty to pay attention to these people that teach us, that lead us, so that we know that they are leading us aright. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13 and 16 tells us to give attention to doctrine. To take heed yourself to the doctrine, to continue in the right doctrine. And this is how we will save ourselves and save those who hear us. Now, Paul has said that many false prophets have gone into the world. He said many at the time of Paul. So now imagine how many more false prophets or false teachers we have now in our time. Now, this is not something to be scared about it is it's a fact that will happen yes because people like to deceive people and the aim of all these false teachers all these false prefects I say prefects all these false prophets their aim is to dissuade their aim is to confuse and to waste your time with endless conversations pointless conversations that lead literally to nothing arguing about everything and nothing you know how you spend time with someone after three hours you're like oh, what what did I what was the point of talking with you for three hours? Now my throat is paining me and there was no point. So yeah, so now that we know that there's going to be false teachers and now that we know that we're supposed to pay attention to it, how do we do that? First John chapter 4 verse 1, 1 to 6, verse 1 tells us to test all spirits. Why? Because there are false ones. And tells us that how do we know which one is the spirit of God? That the spirit of God will exalt Christ. The spirit of God will recognize Christ in all his glory. And will glorify Christ. And that we will know the spirit of God because we are of God. And then what did Moses say in Deuteronomy chapter 18? He says you have to check the prophet's words and see if they come true. Now how do we check the words of the prophet? With the word of God. Because then they did not have the speakings of God to guide it. Well, they had the law. So actually they could check what the prophet was saying with the law. And now we have the word of God. And this is how we check what anybody teaches, what anybody tells us. We check it against the word of God. Let's read Jeremiah chapter 23 from verse 25 to 29. I 
have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long would this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, who try to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which everyone tells his neighbor, his neighbor as their fathers forgot my name for Baal. The prophet who has a dream, let him tell the dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks to pieces? Amen. So we see an emphasis here on how powerful the word of God is. That everything, the prophet that is dreaming, the prophet that is speaking, everything is like chaff compared to the word of God. Now, you know what chaff is? It's a part of the grain, a grain plant that you throw away, the thing that is covering the thing that you actually really want and it's not really beneficial or edible. That's what God says, that his word is the thing inside that you are getting to and everything else is like chaff. So anybody that wants to speak, anybody that wants to dream, they can go ahead. But what is anything that they're saying compared to the word of God? It doesn't have weight. It doesn't have any kind of value. It doesn't have any kind of merit. And then he says that the word of God is wheat. The word of God is fire. The word of God is the hammer that breaks rock to pieces. <laughs> have you ever seen a hammer before use a hammer for a nail can a hammer break a rock so how powerful does a hammer have to be to break a rock that's how powerful the word of God is that the thing that is supposed to be indestructible the word of God destroys it we see in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 how powerful the word of God is that it is living, it is powerful it pierces the soul, pierces the spirit that not even bones are dense enough for the word of God not to penetrate it so when we want to test all spirits we go to the word of God because now we see how powerful the word of God is that it is weightier than anything that has been said anything that has been done that is the basis for everything so when we want to check whether we are being led aright we go to the word of God when we want to find out what the truth is, we go to the word of God. We find the truth in the word of God. The spirit of God is the spirit of truth. The word of God is the truth. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, none of the things that we have read or said removes responsibility from the part of the leaders. No, that responsibility is there. It's certain. But it's not about that. It's one of those instances where the statement, salvation is personal, is as weighty as it gets. Because your salvation is up to you. So if you decide not to take responsibility over who speaks over you, that is your responsibility. That is something that only you can account for. So yes, if somebody is teaching false, they will give account for it. But do you want to allow the fact that they will give account affect your own salvation? So no, I would take charge of my salvation. I would take charge of what I listen to because this is my life, my eternity that we're talking about here. Yes? Okay. So we know that it's our responsibility, like I said, to not sit under erroneous teaching or leadership. However, sound doctrine does not come easy. After worrying us that there are false teachers and there, that we should avoid them and that we should check everything with the word of God, the Bible now tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, that those who rule well, who labor in the word and doctrine, are worthy of double honor. So there are those that labor in doctrine, those that actually aim towards godly edification. And let's read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 to 5. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers 
and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So scripture says that there is a time that will come that people will refuse to listen to sound doctrine, that they will not endure sound doctrine, that their ears will itch to hear the things that they like, the things that are easy, the things that they want, that they think should be taught. And they will find teachers who will like to teach them those things that they want to hear. But then these things are not the truth. And then they will follow them. But in verse 3, verse 3 tells us that sound doctrine has to be endured. <laughs> the words the Bible uses sometimes are very funny. First of all, it says that there are those that labor in doctrine. Then now it says sound doctrine has to be endured. So we see that on the part of the listener and the teacher, sound doctrine does not come easy. You have to labor in doctrine to be able to teach it. And you have to endure sound doctrine. Which means the time will come where you sit down in church and they will say things that you don't like. But you have to endure it. And the reason you endure it is because it's the truth. How do you know it's the truth? You will go back to the word of God to go and check it. So if a church tells you things that are hard to swallow, if a person tells you things that are hard to swallow, it's not time to get up and be like, ah, oh, no, 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 they're not preaching the things that are the word of God. No, we go back first to the word of God. We go back first to our Bible and find out this thing, is it actually in the Bible? Yes, then I have to endure it. Because you know how much pride it takes to think that you know everything that's in the Bible? Even if you have read your Bible cover to cover every year, it takes a lot of pride to assume that you cannot be taught. In any other scenario, it would not make sense. If you're a medical student and you read the anatomy book from cover to cover once a year, there are new editions, there are new discoveries. So even based on that, you have to assume that one day you don't know anything. And this is the, this is the issue sometimes that we have with older doctors, that they're not willing to learn. They're not willing to move past the technology that they grew up with. They're willing to understand that things progress, that things have progressed. And we carry the same attitude sometimes to church. That, no, I have not seen that before. Well, then check again and see it again. So we check with the word of God. It's not the hard thing that is the problem. It's that I don't know it. So I go back and I check with what they have told me. And if I see it in the scripture, then I realize that this is where I have to enjoy it. I might not like what is being said, but it is the word of God. It is truth. And so I enjoy it. Because the Bible tells us that sound doctrine has to be endured. And so, when we read 2 Timothy 4, 3-5, it tells us that because they do not want to endure sound doctrine, because it is hard, because they don't like it, they will find for themselves teachers that will teach them the things that their ears, that their ears itch to hear. Teachers that will teach them lies, all because sound doctrine was too hard to endure. And then let's read Jeremiah chapter 20 from verse 8 to 9. Actually, from verse 8b. Okay, I can start from verse 8. For when I spoke, I cried out. Excuse me. I shouted violence and plunder because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. That in the midst of people not teaching the right things, in the midst of people choosing to teach heresies, in the midst of people wanting to hear the things that they want to hear, 
that there were leaders like Jeremiah who would say that though the word of God is painful to speak, that though the word of God is heavy to me, even though the word of God causes me pain, causes me trouble because people don't want to hear it, even though I face reproach because of the word of God, even though they ridicule me for saying the truth of the word of God, even though I have said that I will not speak the truth anymore, that I will not speak the word of God anymore, I cannot help it because the word of God is like fire in my bones and I cannot help but speak about it. I cannot help but say the truth. I cannot help but speak the truth of the word of God because it is that heavy. It is that weighty. It is that important. It is truth and I cannot shut up about it. And these are the kind of leaders that we sit under. These are the kind of leaders that we find. These are the kind of people that we become. People that no matter what we face, no matter the situation it comes, the truth of the word of God remains the truth of the word of God. We do not shy away from speaking it. We do not shy away from hearing it. And no matter how hard it is to endure, truth is truth. And so we stay there and we learn the truth. That we say, I must speak the truth of the word of God, no matter how ridiculous it seems in my present society. No matter how much nobody wants to pay attention, I will speak it. Because the word of God is like fire in my bones. I cannot, and I cannot shut up about it. These are the people that we pay attention to. These are the people that we listen to. These are the people that we become. So it is my responsibility, therefore, to make sure that my apostle, my prophet, my teacher, my pastor, my evangelist is speaking and teaching sound doctrine into my life. Not motivational speeches, no. Not emotional sandbags, no. Not things that tug on my heartstrings, no. The word of God, the undiluted word of God, the truth of the word of God, the powerful word of God, the word of God that is powerful enough to equip the body of Christ. The word of God that is powerful enough to bring us to the unity of the faith, to give us knowledge of the Son of God, to make us grow that we are no longer children, that we are no longer tossed about with every wind of doctrine. Amen. We're going to pray. We're just going to pray that we are not those who stray away from the truth. That we are not those who run away from the truth of the word of God. That we endure sound doctrine. That we sit. We stay. We endure sound doctrine. We sit for the truth. That when we get to the point where we can lead people, we lead in truth. We labor in sound doctrine. We are not tossed about. We're not tossed about. We're not unsure. We're not unsure. We're not unsure. We know the word of God. We stay on the word of God. We stay on the word. We cannot keep quiet about the word of God. For the word of God is like fire in our bones. It's like fire in our bones. The word of God is truth. And we are compelled by love. We are propelled by love. We speak the truth. We listen to the truth. Our ears do not each for lies. Our ears do not each for things that we like to hear. No. We stay in the truth. We stay for the truth. Oh, we speak the truth. 
We speak the truth. We speak the truth. We speak the truth. Oh, we listen to the truth. No, no, no. No, we do not run away. Let's be on our feet. Baba kana mon sakabandea le baba handekedededea limanana we listen to the truth of the word of god we listen to the truth of the word of god oh we listen to the truth of the word of god emananaya la baba boko sabadataya emananaya kabon shakabande la baba le bandikaya darabon sekebende emananaya La Bashakabana. Oh, we stay in the truth. 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 Our hearts are not hard. Our hearts are not hard towards the truth. Our hearts are open. Our hearts are open towards the truth of your word. We accept it. We live in it. We walk in it. We are not confused. We are not tossed about by every doctrine, by every wind of doctrine. No, no, no. We are the trees that are planted by the river side. We are planted firmly in the root of the word of God. Our root is in the word of God. Our root is in the truth. Oh, we see the light of your word. We see the truth in your word and we walk in it. We walk in the truth. We walk in the truth. We walk in the truth.